this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. reason i wow that's very strange my text messages are you know how that like there's a little progress bar so it sits there for a while and doesn't move Hmm. that's weird like so i get the sense that like my text messages are not getting to people very quickly here welcome to the technology of tomorrow (laughs) technology of 20 2012 (laughs) i wish they had invent a silent fan because it's not even that hot today, and I know I'm going to melt while we're recording this, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we get into the actual real summer. Um, have, do you, have you seen the Dyson Blades? Is it silent? I mean, it's like yeah. $500, but... Yeah, it's absolutely silent. It's crazy. I bought a Dyson, actually. I mean, I bought a vacuum. I bought the little hand vacuum. I mean, it was like $300, but holy shit, have you used one of those things? Yeah, I own one. I will never own any other kind of vacuum in my life. I didn't think it could be like that much better. You know, you read the reviews online and it's like, oh, it's good. It's it's better. But they don't like really give you like at least this hand one, the one the one that I have. I don't know the model number. So something trigger. Um, but holy, I could if there's a two settings on this one. I don't know if yours has two settings. But yep. I put on the high setting. I could suck hair off the dog's back with this thing. <laughs> it's it's likely that you and I have the exact same vacuum, and I I literally swear by that thing. It's probably the best like appliance purchase I've ever made. That thing's unbelievable. I'm gonna buy the the wand attachments so that I can you know do it on rugs and stuff too, because you can make yep. it into like a normal vac. Yep, totally worth it. I have it. <laughs> Welcome to vacuum review. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like this is our first ever home improvement episode. Um, but yeah, I, I would love that fan if it's silent because the fan I have, it, it does a good job, but I can't turn it on when we're recording. If the vacuum is any indicator, the fan is just as good. Uh, I might have to save up and invest for that because I don't know how we're going to survive. I have, for people listening, I have carpet in the room that I'm recording in. So it gets blistering in here during the summer. Remember when we tried to do that, um, that interview and the computer fried from the heat? Oh, yeah. 
because it was like 90, 90 something or 100 degrees in this room. And the computer was like, you know, 50, 60 degrees above that. The fan just couldn't keep up. I, I remember there were days where, um, because I had to have, uh, I was trying to record off Wi-Fi with the speaker set up for a while. And I remember being in the room on certain summer days where um, my room was the only room where I could get silence. And man, it was, it was like 110 degrees in there. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how these, maybe they just have really good air conditioning, people that do it more professionally. Um you know, they get like this perfect, you know, like Joe Rogan and stuff like that, where there's no background noise. They must just have like silent air conditioning and not fans. Huh. And uh, we're not professional, Chad? <laughs> I'm just kidding, dude. And we, can't, we can't call ourselves professional until we start making money. That's the good <laughs> That's point. the rule. Absolutely. Totally. That's the definition, technically. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Well, we, we took last week off, so we should have lots of things to talk about. I have weird stuff. And I see yeah, I have... have you added some stuff in there. Are we ever yeah, going to talk most, about death? Um, maybe. Um, that's that's. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually kind of want to talk about life. Um, I, I feel like death is going to be one of those that just lingers there forever, um, kind of like death in that's, real life. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I actually kind of want to talk about life and how 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 different life is. How how why it's been difficult for me to um, actually schedule the podcast properly um it's been a nightmare but for all the right reasons and i really want to catch you up on a lot of things actually all right well you brought it up let's get into it then that's what they're here for they're here to listen to you and i talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about (laughs) well i mean for anyone who's been listening to the show um over the last like i don't know maybe five six seven ten episodes um i've been a mopey shit um, you know, I've been dealing with the end of a relationship and it's been kind of a, 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 a harrowing experience in many ways. Um, just because, you know, once you, uh, especially considering how serious that relationship was, there were so many things that were intertwined in it. Um, and like, unlike most of the relationships that I've had, it wasn't just, um, the things that are typical to a relationship. You know, we also wrote music together. Uh, we traveled together. We, we, we shared a lot. We were basically best friends as well as um, a couple. And so when you dismantle something like that, the, the, the jarring effect of just completely rerouting all of the things in your life is so profound that you leave, you're left with not having any idea about who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously at the end of any relationship, you have the strong sense, the strong feeling that, um, you know, th- things shouldn't have ended or whatever it may be, like th- those feelings of, of remorse and regret and, you, you know, the, the natural associations that you, you have with how a relationship ends. Um, but I will say now that, you know, uh, however many months deep I am into this process of, of grieving and, and rebuilding, um, I think I finally turned a corner in the last two weeks, and the amount of openness and expansiveness in my life has increased in such an exponential way that it's almost difficult for me to come to terms with how much happier I am and how making the choice to go outwards instead of inwards dramatically changed my mindset in such a short period of time. Um, and now I'm I'm on the cusp of that, you know. I've, I've and and not only that, but here's here's another interesting uh, thing that comes along with that too. Is the moment I made the choice to to turn my my energies outwards towards building back into the world again, so many things started to fall into place without me having any real idea or intention of going after any of these things. You know, for example, um, I got hitched onto a startup 
um, that I really, really like. And I'm, I'm starting to do some work with those guys. Um, it's, this is literally a, a three-day-old relationship, but it's probably one of the coolest groups people ever worked ever work with. Um, you know, all of this spawned from my, my, my need to make more money because I'm sick and tired of, of living um, the startup entrepreneurial life where I basically sacrifice everything for the sake of progress. Um, and, you know, other things like I found a, a potential music writing partner. Um, I'm starting to work on, on politics in a very um, in-depth and much more hands-on way. Um, there's a potential, for example, that I might eventually run for public office. Um, and this is at the advice of a congresswoman. Um, which is probably a pretty credible source when it comes to people. And, you know, there are plenty of people in my life who tell me I should run for public office. But when a congresswoman tells you that, it's a whole different story. Um, and she tells you specifically why you should. <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been a very eye-opening experience. And all of this has happened within the last seven to 10 days. Um, and all of it has basically just increased exponentially from day to day, almost from hour to hour, um, in such a way that I don't think I've ever been as understanding of myself as a person um, as I am right now, nor do I ever, nor do I feel like I've ever had um, as much pure positivity that comes from me as I do right now. That's something we've talked about a lot. You know, having just gone through and re-listened to every episode we've ever recorded, which which we can we can talk about that later. That's an experience all unto itself. But uh, <laughs> we've talked about this idea before. You know, so much of 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 our being and how how we feel comes from doing you know it has to do with doing and tomorrow and so doing with um you know if you're sitting around doing nothing you feel like shit you're gonna feel like shit unless you're relaxing you know that's a that's a completely different thing you're taking a break but you can feel good about taking a break and relaxing because you know you've been doing so everything is tied to doing and you know depression is from when you're not doing anything or you feel like you're not making progress and there's nothing to look forward to and we sometimes I think we confuse and I can I can definitely see how this has happened to you and I'm positive it's happened to me because it happens to me all the time. Um, we confuse that need for doing with a different kind of doing. You know, like it's it's not we have to be doing the right things. We have to be doing the things that feed us, the things that uh, affirm our identities. When we do other things, sometimes you have to do them. You know, uh, I'm. I don't think there's anybody in the world that um, cleaning their underwear and their socks affirms their identity, but you have to do that. <laughs> you know, unless you're loaded and you can pay somebody else to do it, you have to do those things. You know, I I, I don't think feeding my dog exactly at seven thirty or eight o'clock is affirming my identity, but he affirms my identity. So you know, there's things that are attached to things, but sometimes we end up doing other things like jobs we hate. Or jobs that we like, but don't really have anything to do with how we feel about ourselves. And over time, those doings can eat up large chunks of our lives. And then we feel like we're... Because they they rob us of that tomorrow. Because you're doing to pay a bill. Well, guess what? Paying a bill, sure, you have to do it. But it doesn't feel good. It doesn't make you think about tomorrow. Unless you're one of those amazing people that can pay off a bill and go, now I have financial freedom. Okay. Completely different mindset. But I can totally see that. I can see how you were doing a lot of stuff before, but I don't know that you were doing anything that actually fulfilled you, that that fed lamp. You were just kind of doing things. 
It, it, it's, it's funny you say, you, I, there's a concept here that I think is really important to hammer home um, that you mentioned before the, the whole doing thing, which is have to versus want to. Um, and I think that that's a really important concept to, to, to really drive home because I think for me, that one of the very important things that I've, I've kind of transitioned myself into in the last couple of weeks is the things I have to do. Um, and the things I have to do now are, are much more positive and interesting. For example, I have to listen to at least one new song a day. You know, I have to um, play piano at least 20 minutes a day. I have to read at least 10 pages of something a day. And I, 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 those, are, those are things that are non-negotiable. You know, those are things that regardless of what my day ends up looking like, I don't care if it's four in the morning, I have to do those things. And the choice to do those things on a consistent basis has made me so much happier in, in the process of discovery and creation that I, I can't imagine what my life would look like now if I didn't have those things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different kind of food, right? It's, it's not the food that, that nourishes your body, but it's the, the food that nourishes your spirit, you know, to sure. woo with it. There really isn't another way to say that. You know, there's an essence of each of us. Um, you will use whatever word you want to use, spirit, identity, if you want to get really like mechanical about it. But there's something that is us, that's purely us, a, a sense of being. And it's not something that can be quantified because it changes and grows and moves. But there are things that feed that. And when we don't have enough of those things, Life sucks. It really does. And, you know, I've been guilty of, of <laughs> focusing on that too much in the past to where that becomes oppressive. And we've, we've done that a few times where I've talked about, I'm going to do this every day and this every day and this every day and this every day. And then it just that process becomes overwhelming for me too. But I think like finding a nice balance, you know, you're working your way back into it, finding three things. That's perfect. That's a good introductory. And who knows, maybe that's all you need, you know, sure. as far as like a daily habit. I don't mean with your life, but... Well, well I think that the big, there's a bigger part of that too is um, being able to reevaluate that all the time. You know, like I think part of the reason why I do those three things, it's not just the action of those things in particular that make it so that I can find some semblance of peace or happiness. It's, it's the consistency of those things. You know, it's the consistency of the task. And I think that for a long time, especially as I was, I was dealing with the, the emotional turmoil of, of the end of the relationship, I think there was a lot of, of, of meandering. You know, there was a lot of, of, of lostness um, and that lack of direction really made it so that I felt pretty unhappy all the time. I mean, you're right. I, there's, there's definitely an aspect of who I am where, just does, where I just don't stop because I want to I keep my... I want to keep I want to keep myself in action as much as humanly possible. So I mean I, you know, the last couple of months in particular I tried to stay as busy as possible um without realizing that none of the things that I was doing were really making me all that happy. And it took having to make a choice, you know, it took I basically took one full day of my life to kind of find that center again, you know, to take a step back. Um you know, I drove up to the beach and I basically stared at the ocean for like uh, 5 6 hours. Um and just contemplated. Um, you know, I, 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 I won't say I meditated because I'm not particularly good at that, nor do I really understand how meditation truly works. Um, but I will say that I spent that entire day contemplating my life. You know, what is the, what it was that I really wanted to do? And more importantly, 
what it was that I wanted to be and how I wanted to affect the world. And I think in the process of doing that, I was able to come up with certain disciplinary things in my own life that forced me into a specific mindset that then weirdly, unintentionally, I didn't even intend on opening myself up to the world. That was never a conscious thought. But in doing that, I really opened up to the world. I opened up to to possibility. You know, I opened up to, for example, something as simple as seeing myself in another relationship. Like I couldn't even picture that a month ago, you know, um, but just, you know, picturing myself as the entrepreneur that I know I can be, or as the, the, the person in the political world that I know I can be. And in, in opening up myself just to those ideas, um, I found them very fast and beyond just me finding them, it wasn't even, it, it actually wasn't even me that found them. Other people saw it in me and pushed me through them. <laughs> um, and in some cases they were people that I didn't know a week ago. Um, and that's, that's, I'm not, I'm not a believe in energy in the universe kind of guy. Like I've never been that woo woo or anything like that, but holy crap, man. Um, you, if you, if you are a certain way, you happen to attract a certain type of person or a group of people. And there is no clearer example of that I've ever experienced in my life than right now. Well, um, so many things I have to say about that. First of all, (laughs) do you remember when we talked about the, you know, close your eyes, look around the room and, uh, uh, before you close your eyes, uh, look around, find everything green in the room. Now close your eyes. How many things were green? Remember them all. How many things were red? And then you you can't remember anything red, right? You can only remember the green things. And when sure. you open your eyes, you look around, you're like, holy shit, there's a lot of red things. Um, what you look for is what you're going to find, right? Where your focus is, that's what comes, you know, that's, that's what you're going to find. If I'm looking for, if I'm in the forest and I'm looking for birds, I'm going to find birds if there are birds. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, it doesn't have to be like this, you know, spirit energy, the secret kind of shit. It's just simply, if you're looking for good shit, you're going to find good shit. You're looking for good people. You're going to find good people. If you're looking for places that you're needed, you're going to find places that you're needed. And (laughs) that was, that was weirdly profound, by the way, if you, if you look for good shit, you'll find good shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, and another thing I wanted to say too, it's really interesting that the delineation between, um, contemplation and meditation, um, I think a lot of people confuse the two, um, you know, contemplation and meditation, they're kind of similar, but meditation is, it's training your brain where to look. Don't look at that. Look over here. Don't look at that. Look over here. And that's literally, it's just a repeated process of when your mind wanders, bringing it back to your breath, saying, don't look left, look right. Don't look left, look right. So it's exercise. It's doing reps. It's you know curling um, the. It's curling the bar and it's uh, doing push-ups and it's doing pull-ups. Whereas contemplation is like play. You're letting your mind go wherever the hell it wants to go, and you're just going along for the ride. And you need both of those. And I think that it's really important to to clarify for people that if you're doing one, you're not doing the other. You're only doing half the job that your brain needs you to do. You need, you need the wandering just as, just like what you're saying. You know, you did a lot of wandering, but now you need structure. You need both. We need both of those things. We need structure and we need wandering. Sure. Um, and all of the, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it later, but this all ties in shockingly to one of to that article <laughs> that I, that I sent you, um, about values. This sure. all ties into that so perfectly, but I want you to finish before we go into that. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's much else to say to that, um, other than now I just have to 
practice what I preach um, and live up to. You know, it, uh, here's 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 the real crux of it. I'm going to get super dark um, for a moment, um, uh, just because we haven't been dark enough in this episode, and I don't really feel like we're living up to what we normally <laughs> do here. Um, so, you know, at the end of the at the end of a relationship, especially if you're not the one who initiates the end of the relationship, there's a certain sense of value that you lose in yourself, or at least the idea of value that you lose in yourself. You know, um, don't get me wrong; I don't ever feel like I've been susceptible to that in the same way that most people have been, um, just because I'm I'm a relatively confident guy. I know what I'm capable of as a person, but the end of this one really did that to me. Um, I lost my inherent sense of value to a level that I've never actually consciously felt before. Um, in a way, it wasn't just the end of the relationship. It was the end of me as the person I knew. Um, and there was, a real, there was a real difficulty for me to like, find a, a grounding point that made a lot of sense. You know, for me to find answers that, 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 that sat well with who I wanted to, to, to be post-relationship. You know, in a weird kind of way, my, my core sense of value got completely destroyed. Um, one of the most important things I've learned through this process, um, you know, one of my, my, my difficulties, obviously, was how much um, I had to reassess my own value as a person. Um, and this is not to say that I, 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 I've always been a person who hasn't really lacked much in the way of confidence, uh, but this one really shook me to the core. And it made me ask a lot of questions of myself that were, were questions that I hadn't asked in a really long time. And in the process of doing so, I realized how important it was that you continually do that as a person. And you know, for people, it's different. Um, for some people, it's a once every six months or once a year, or once every five years kind of thing. But I definitely feel like you have to do that. And I realized that a lot of who I, I thought I was was based on a, a perception of, of myself that was 10 years old. And in the process of, of having to reevaluate myself within the, the scope of the ending of the relationship, I had to ask myself some really difficult questions. Um, and not only did I do that, but I had to, to allow myself, and here's the most important part, and I recommend everybody does this at some point, you have to find people in your life that you trust, that you, whose opinions you value, and who can be emotionally and intellectually objective about you, and ask them those questions. Ask them the value questions. You know, like, who, who do you... What do you like best about me? What do you not like about me? Um, who who am I to you? And what do you see uh, when in the context of me in the world? Like those are, those, I mean, your questions can vary obviously because, but those are the important questions to me. And I had the opportunity to do that with some really important people in my life, and the answers that I got greatly shaped my perception of what I'm capable of as a person. Um, how how I value myself and how I value those relationships. So I highly recommend that everybody at some point in their lives um, re-ask that question. You know, if things become um, squirrely in your brain or if you become depressed or unsure about who you might be as a person, um, the best thing you can do is to be vulnerable and ask the questions. It's interesting. Um, that's something we've talked about before, interviewing people in your life and asking them questions like that. You know, um, how do I show up? How do I show up for you in your life? Um, what What do you see as my strengths? What do you see as my weaknesses? It's brutal. Um, it's, like you said, you have to find the right people. But it can be... Uh, you got to be in the right mindset for it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You got to be ready for it, definitely. But also what comes up is, you know, you said um, you weren't the person... You weren't being the person... Uh, you thought you were being that you hadn't changed, you know, th- that, that, that type of feeling. And that goes back to something that I said in the last episode, you and I recorded together. Um, that question that's so important to me right now is what patterns am I repeating? Because if you're repeating patterns, 
Um, they could be healthy patterns. That's a good thing. You should know that. But if they're not, if they're non-progressive patterns or if they're negative patterns, you also need to know those because those are things that prevent you from growing. Um, you know, for example, uh, like uh, I think I told the story before about uh, my sister, how she used to always be late for everything, just completely um, more than like five minutes. And sometimes she'd be like hour and a half late for things, um, everything. And it was a pattern that was repeating in her life that she had never paid attention to. And we wouldn't go through the whole story, but she changed it. And because she started realizing what that was like for other people. And it, the, when you start looking at those patterns, you see the kind of what this... So the article that I've referenced a few times um, as we were talking about some of the stuff is called... Oh, sorry, my browser needs to come back up since the computer closed. It's called, of course, had to have my favorite word in it. Who the fuck am I? Uh, the Ultimate Guide <laughs> to Personal Values. It's written by a guy named Mark Manson. I can't remember the name of the book he wrote right now. Um, but anyways, he talks about a lot of the things that you're talking about. He talks about... Um, so values. One of the, uh, I, I guess I have to give the basic structure before I could go off on the things I was going to say. But he, there's, there's five steps to um, reevaluating or changing. And the first is um, a value of yours has to fail. Something has to fall apart because mm. most of us aren't smart enough to notice um, before something breaks. Um, the second step is that we recognize, we recognize that something has failed because sometimes things fail and we don't recognize it. And usually one of two ways um, that we avoid recognizing it is we either say the world sucks or I suck. Um, so we have to recognize that a value has failed. And then we have to question that value. Step three is question that value and think of a new one. Think of a new value. Um, and then four would be to live the value. And of course, five would be to reap the benefits of that value. Now, uh, the reason that this is that I'm bringing this up right now is because um, one of the things he talks about when he's talking about things, values failing, is relationships mm. and how you end up questioning who you are. Um, because your value changed. This value has failed, right? So I, I placed value in this relationship. I placed value on who I was in the context of this relationship. And now that's gone. So that value doesn't exist. So it has failed. Um, so whatever place that it took in your life, it leaves a vacuum. So then you're forced to contemplate and to think about things. Um, I'm trying to read a note right here. Uh, I write down notes and then I write them in sloppy handwriting. It's not the best, <laughs> best strategy. <laughs> um, one of the things that people do when a value fails is they do exactly what you said. They go somewhere and they... You've, everybody's heard this phrase, so you can put, put this into quotation marks. We go to find ourselves, but we're not actually going to find ourselves. What we're going to find is what we value. What are our values? So we have to take time away. We step away. And when we step away we can look and we can see, okay, what really matters? Because, you know, like we've, we've been saying here, you know, you end up doing things that don't matter. It's just part of life. We, we live on assumptions, you know, like I, I, gotta, I, I, I do this every day. I do this every day. Well, why do you do that every day? Oh, shit, you know what? That's not important to me anymore. Okay, maybe I don't need to do that anymore. But until you step back, until you pull yourself away and you start to look at those things, you, you're just going to keep repeating it. It's just the way it is. Um, 
So it's, it's very interesting how this value structure fits exactly into what you've been going through. Like this article, as you were, as you were talking about it, it's like literally I was rereading the article in my head. Um, it, I, I ran out of words there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have something to say. No, 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 no words. Nothing coming up. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't read the article, but it's, it sounds like I've read the article considering how you describe it because I'm literally following that process almost to a T. Yeah. One of the things that's very interesting in it too, that I, that probably the part that really stuck out to me the most um, was he's talking about um, when we get disconnected from our values, um, that's when things start to go wrong. It's it's this idea of like, um, I play video games all day, but I say that I value... Hard, this is actually one of the examples he gives. I say that I value ambition and hard work, but you're not living ambition and hard work. So what what happens there is your brain has to bridge that gap between the reality and... I guess as sort of like this ideal, right? And what happens is you you become delusional. Are are you are you beating up a pan on on yeah. your side? I'm really sorry. I'm in a conference room right now, and all of a sudden, everyone just started to go through the room. I'm like, hold on, let me let me solve this problem. <laughs> I'm like, it sounds like Jeez. catering. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening in here. Um. Yeah. I, okay. We're we're back. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, he says he says basically the only way that you can cope with the difference between um, between those two things is to become delusional. And I just thought that was a fascinating idea because it's something you can see outside of just the conversation we're talking about, taking into the context of anything, taking the context of politics. You know, the difference between people saying that they believe in uh, the value of life, but then they totally support the death penalty. Um, mm. So there, there, there becomes a, and this is not using delusional as a, a judgment term. This is using delusional as what it really means. You have to create this illusion for yourself to keep operating, because the, the, the that gap between the reality and the ideal, it will break you apart. So you have to bridge it with a fantasy, and we do that all the time. I mean, that, that's that's part of the reason that values fail, right? Is because we get disconnected with them. So, you know, like, why do relationships fail most of the time? Because we're not living up to the ideal of what we set forth for that relationship. Oh, my God. So true. <laughs> and that, I mean, that, that could be taken to the mildest degree, to the most extreme degree. You know, like, people get married and they, they promise to love, cherish, and uh, whatever the, the rest of that phrase is. You know, they, they promise to treat each other well and to respect each other, and then they cheat. So mm-hmm. there's a difference between the reality and, and the ideal. And they're not living that value. It's, it's really fascinating. That's why I really I enjoyed that article so much because it made me think. And there's a huge part in there where he talks about, um, I forget the guy's name. He is a, um, a black musician who befriends um, people from the KKK. And just as, a co- as, as part of being friends with him, they end up leaving. He's not trying to convince them of anything. He literally befriends them. And then just because through the process of them learning to respect him because he respects them, their values change. And because their values change, eventually they have to bridge, they either have to become delusional or they have to bridge that gap. 
I believe I believe that's a, there. Isn't there a book about that? There's a book about it and a documentary about it. But in the in the article, which of course will be linked in the show notes, there's a short video about ten minutes. It's a TED talk that he gave. Um, it's 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 a great story, but it almost I would say <laughs> don't watch the video and read the article at the same time because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of like me saying giving you a long metaphor of something and then or a long you know speech about something and in the middle of it making you read lord of the rings no oh, jeez you know what i mean like it it's it's such a different direction in the middle and such a grandiose direction and such an important direction it's like two things that shouldn't necessarily be attached anyways so that's values value value i'm assuming what yours was was fighting for focus in the midst of rebuilding a life is that the one you yeah. just covered? That's literally exactly it, yeah. <laughs> I'm marking it off. Yeah, um, I mean there's there's a bit more to that too, in the sense that like I think I think the focus the focus itself is kind of an interesting um an interesting question because I mean I, something you touched upon earlier before your computer exploded um was the 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 idea of of me just doing things for the sake of doing them and I don't get me wrong I actually think that that activity really helps me you know I stayed busy enough that I couldn't just sit around and mope like a piece of crap um, but I feel like the the delusional thing is definitely something that that people have it's like the word manipulation for example you know it's it's a loaded word that usually has a negative connotation but it doesn't have to um, it's it's a it's a simple it's a simple verb that has a very simple meaning and meaning and it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative association and I think in in this particular case you know the 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 idea of being delusional for example um, for me meant that I had to convince myself um, of some some superficial things like you know I'm an I'm an attractive man with with attractive qualities that might be. Um, desired by the opposite sex you know that's something that you lose faith in when you when you have the end of a relationship that kind of smacks you right in the face and so i had to convince myself of those things until i believed them you know i had to act like those things were true until they became true and you know that that applies also to you know my 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 things when it comes to you know um politics or business or whatever it may be i mean i know i'm qualified to a certain extent and i know what i'm capable of but I think all of us, at least on some level, harbor a very um, deeply rooted sense of Im- imposter syndrome that we fight through our entire lives. Um, and I don't really know many people, including people who are very capable and very qualified, some of whom hold public office, some of whom are you know, Congress people and assembly members who have that feeling. Um, but I, I think that that a very important part of of fighting your way through the journey of life and becoming the person that you're, 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 you're meant to be to yourself is being able to turn the imposter into the real person. Yeah. It's a, the thing that everybody loves to say, fake it till you make it. But sometimes that doesn't work. You know, that, let's be honest here. Um, sometimes faking it till you make it doesn't work. Um, Agreed. Yeah. For example, I'm a good person. Faking it till you make it mm, depends. If you're faking it till you make it in the fact that you're doing good deeds, so eventually you just become a good person because you're a person who does good deeds, yeah, that, that might work. But sitting mm-hmm. around believing it, mm, oh sure, that yeah. might not work. There, there has to be actions for, for the fake it till you make it. I think it really has to do with action. It can't just be thought. If it's yeah. just thought, then it remains delusion. It's deception. Sure. sure. 
and um, and and also it that works the other way too. If it's just action without the thought, then it's also remains delusion. <laughs> right, which which is exactly what we were talking about. You know, doing things just for the sake of doing them. Um, and that's that's actually something I wanted to ask you. You know, you said that you it, it was good that you were doing those things because it stopped you from sitting around being mopey. Was that really good, or were you just putting off something that happened that had to happen eventually? Oh, oh, oh! I definitely put things off. Um, I'm not going to deny that. You know, there, there, there were definitely moments where I should have faced um, the pain a little differently. Uh, you know, faced the difficulty and the sadness a little differently. Um, but I will also say too that sometimes you need to take a break. <laughs> you know, because for the first couple of weeks, for example, I, I lived in the pain. I lived in the sadness, um, and at some point, it just becomes too much. Uh, it overwhelms you past the point of being able to find your way out of it. And I think that your your mind, your body, and your heart tell you when when you're getting to that limit. Um, as much as I don't inherently believe in any of those things, um, I, I do believe that that you will you will know when you've had enough. And I definitely had that moment. I can even remember the exact moment in which I felt that I could not be sad anymore. And at that moment. I chose to find things in my life that I could actively do that would pull me out of that. And I don't regret um, compartmentalizing the, the, some of the pain um, in the process of doing that um, because I went back to it because I knew it was still there. You know, because I knew that at some point I'd have to go back and, and cut through the bullet points and check off the, 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 the difficulties one thing at a time. But I needed a break. And I think that it's really important um, for anyone who's going through any kind of difficulty, um, you know, like for example, in, in it's been a, it's let's just say 2018 was kind of a rough year. Um, there were a whole bunch of people that died in my life. There were a whole bunch of um, other difficulties that were personal that I dealt with, and all of those culminated in the end of the relationship. And I will say that I didn't really know how emotionally tired I was until the end of the relationship led me to such a dark place that I could no longer. I could no longer see myself as the same person. And at that point, I needed to take a step back, take a break, and really focus on doing things so that I could build up at least enough emotional and physical strength to take those problems on again. Yeah, I think it goes back to where we started with this. There's a difference between um, what you're talking about, which is taking a break. That you're doing an action, but then the action, you need a break from the action. And what a lot of people do when they, they end up in uh, situations similar to yours they never actually do any of those things. So they just do the action part, the avoiding part. So it's never, it's never actually doing any positive because they're not breaking from anything, right? They're, they're hiding from it. And what happens uh, for some people that I've seen more times than I can count is they jump into another relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, so they never go through the process. When anything fails, you know, it's going back to this value thing. When any time a value fails, you have to reevaluate you have to that's why the word value is in reevaluate you have sure. to revalue you have to find a new value you have to fix the value you have to repair the value otherwise you will continue to repeat patterns yeah i completely agree with that and that's very applicable in this case <laughs> i won't go i won't end up I, in the same I, relationship I, over and over again oh completely and and i will man i i, I don't want to badmouth anyone on this relationship so i'll leave I'll leave the other half of this equation out of it, but I definitely, I definitely understand now how easy it is for people to fall back into patterns again. Well, patterns, it's, 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 we're kind of meant for patterns. 
That's the problem. Sure. As long as they're healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, 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 but I mean, whether they're healthy or not, the human being is drawn to patterns. Sure. Regardless. So, so you put in any situation, a human being will fall into a pattern, whether it is a good pattern or a bad pattern, a human being will find a pattern. You stick a guy on a, on a desert island, he's going to do some of the same things every day. Why? Because of that structure, that need for that structure, because humans are drawn to that pattern. You know, some people have to tie uh, their left shoe before their right shoe every day. They're not thinking about it. They're not obsessive compulsive about it. It's just the way that they do it. It's their pattern. Um, we're drawn to those patterns. It gives us a sense of safety and security. Of course. We want to sure. feel like the, the world uh, has some sort of logic to it. So patterns bring that logic. That's why, why do you think these, so many people make so much fucking money writing about productivity? Because they're selling patterns. Sure. You know, it's, it's like, it's like it's for people who um, design clothing, you know, they have the, the patterns. You know, like here's the, you know, take this and you cut this um, piece of fabric this size and this size. You know, you, have you ever seen these things, Len? Yeah, I have. You know, they're like pieces of paper and you cut the paper along with the fabric so you get the exact size. That's what these people are doing. They're selling those things. They're selling as patterns. It's not a bad thing because sometimes people need patterns. Uh, we all need them, but sometimes they can't find them on their own. Yeah, and, and I def- but, but there's also... So this, is, this also speaks to the opposite and negative side of it too, right? There are definitely moments in which, um, you know, if you're defining a... a abusive relationship, for example, um, for what it is, the reason why the relationship continues is because the pattern, um, because there's a level of comfort in the consistency, right. regardless of whether it's destructive or not. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it's such a brutal process. And I will say now that like, I'm, I'm at the tail end of it. So for me, I, I have, I can look back on it with, with a sense of objectivity, but I'm glad that I did not allow myself to fall into patterns based on false pretenses. <laughs> and that is, by the way, a lot harder to do than you think. Like, it's, it's easy to run to someone and find comfort. It's easy to, to run to, to a situation similar to the one you just left and find some, some, some semblance of contention within that consistency. But holy crap, man, like, you got to cut the cord at some point. And I feel like if I hadn't done that, I would be right back where I was or I would be completely miserable in a, in a different way. Um, and I, I might not have made any real progress. And I think the choice to burn it all, essentially burn it all down, um, you know, and, and, and rebuild from the ground up, asking some really tough questions um, of myself and to myself about where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, actually allowed me the ability to not build new patterns yet, but at least see the old patterns for what they were and to recognize what kind of patterns I need now to move forward. Right. All right. Well, I think uh, speaking of patterns, now would probably be a good time for us to talk about our uh, challenges. So I don't know if you remember your challenge. <laughs> it's been two uh, weeks. It's, it has been two weeks. I'm going to have to refresh myself on my own challenge. Here. You Hold said on. you were going to do a photo shoot. Yep, did three of them. There you go. Times three. Yep. So give a little, tell us a little bit about the experience. Um, clumsy um, and weird. Um, one of the things that did define my relationship with, with my previous, I'm, I'm going to try not to say her name, it's almost like Voldemort, um, 
not in a bad way. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to say anything negative about her. It's not, that's not the intention. I just don't want to bring her into this podcast more than she probably wants to be. Um, she was kind of my muse. Um, we did photo stuff all the time together. So I, I kind of assumed, um, a lot of things when it came to interactions with other people, especially artistically. So my first attempt was clumsy. Uh, my second attempt was better, but still clumsy. And my third attempt felt much more natural and not even like a photo shoot. Felt like we were just hanging out and taking pictures, which is my natural state of being when it comes to how I am as a photographer. I'm much more of a street photographer slash photojournalist. So my style is much more lent to being uh, candid um, than it is studio produced even though some of my favorite shots are some of my studio shots i love just walking around and taking pictures of people living their daily lives well that's good then of all the things that you were mentioning that's probably the most specific of of things that you're doing for progress forward that i associate with um who i see who i know you as you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you you've struggled i keep we're gonna have to talk about me listening to all the episodes in a bit because I keep referencing it, but in going through all those episodes, it's really fascinating to listen to you fall in and out of photography. And what I notice is a, is a certain pattern in the sense that if you were out of it long enough, you, you'd come into the episodes darker. <laughs> That's interesting. It's, it's really weird when you were, when you were doing a lot of photography, we go into the episode and, um, I would ask you a lot back in, in those days, we'd start out the episodes, you know, cause we weren't as practiced at, you know, just jumping in the conversation like we are now. So I'd say, how are you? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that's kind of, we, we started, I think probably like 30 episodes like that. And um, the ones when you weren't doing anything creative, you kind of came in like Eeyore. You'd be like, mm-hmm. it's been a rough week or uh, um, had a hard time. I've been struggling. It's been brutal. Um, and then the ones when you were doing stuff creatively, you'd be like, "I'm great. How are you?" <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. Like you need to go back and listen. It's it's really fascinating. And referencing that pattern thing again, I could totally see something like that going through. Uh, my my challenge was to journal every day and to exercise every day. Um, journal every day did not succeed at doing it every day. Um, but here's a weird thing: I the times that I missed it, I don't even know how it happened. What? <laughs> For example, say uh, I journaled on Thursday and then uh, I would journal on Saturday and I go, oh, I didn't journal yesterday. And I have no idea why. You know, it's not like I avoided it. I just, it completely slipped my mind. Oh, uh, weird. But what's what's cool is I'm on, I still am not every day, but I am at the point where I'm going back at least every other day. So I'm getting back into that pattern and it's feeling very good. Exercise I've been far less successful with. And that's not necessarily a laziness thing, which I will not. Sorry, I had to burp at least once. Um, <laughs> I'll give myself a little bit of, of uh, chiding in the sense that there is some laziness in it. But uh, it, without going into extreme detail, the boxing things in the garage, it's super hot in the garage and I have the dog and there's rat poison. So Ooh. I've kind of been, I mean, there's supposed to be rat poison, but... I didn't put it there. I hate rat poison. But anyways, um, so I kind of have trouble getting out there to do it without him. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to move the boxing thing in the backyard. So then he can exercise while I'm exercising. I think Got that's it. a difference. All right. Um, oxen free. Oxen free check, lamb. 
I'm going to say not, no. Not, not a chance. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering when it, when it actually happens. I need like a sound effect for like one of those fanfares, like you know. Um, I feel I feel like considering what the sound design looks like for Oxenfree, you should pull a sound from Oxenfree. Oh uh, yeah, I, I yeah I don't think they would mind. They're an yeah. independent developer. Totally, I think they'd be totally happy about it. Night School is the name of the developer. Why do I remember that? Because that game's so cool. And I want to play the next game they make, which is, by the way, about going to hell. Ah, wow, magic! Yeah. Oh, speaking speaking of which, by the way, I've been diving back into Neil Gaiman again, and I read Death again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I just listened to you talk about that. <laughs> so I guess I should. So uh, before I reference it five thousand other times, I, we have a hundred and this will be episode one hundred and six, which is extraordinary. By the way, Lamb, you're on seventy one of those. Jeez. Um, I moved our host, our podcasting host, to Fireside, which is who we used to be with before. Um, long story. We don't need to go into that. The reason I moved us to Fireside is because I wanted some things for you guys. And um, in order to do them on the website, it would have taken me months to go through and code all this stuff and to set all this stuff up. Um, Fireside, the stuff is built in. What are those things? You can go in to the Fireside site, which is randombadassery.fireside.fm linked on our website of course big button that says listen on it um you can go in and you can click the guest page and it'll show you every guest that's been on the show and when you click on their name it takes you to a page for them where there will be their links and it'll tell you every episode that they've been in awesome all i have to do is put put their name in and put their links in and tell them what episode it was on and then it does all that for me so you guys have that available to you you can go and listen you can go and click on me or lamb Say you don't like me as much as you like Lamb, then maybe you're only here to listen to <laughs> You can go in and just listen to the 71 episodes with Lamb on them. Totally cool with me. I don't care. Um, I, cannot, I cannot believe it's been 71. Sorry, carry on. Uh, but So that's why I moved us over there, so that those things would be available to you guys. Um, but in the process, there were, I think, about like 20 or 30 episodes where I had zero show notes anymore just because of... Um, you know, the show having the the show that Lamb and I do, um, which is now part of everything, uh, stopping for like that year. Uh, so I, I, in that process, I just lost the notes because I didn't know that I was going to need them or whatever I thought at the time. So I had to go through and I wanted to redo the show notes. Um, but in the process, I also noticed that some of the show notes were weak and the tone was wrong on the, you know, like there's a way that I do show notes now where I just list the keywords and the links. I don't go into trying to sell you on the episode. So I just went back and did that for every episode that we've ever done. And in the process, I will say, um, the shortest episode was about 15 minutes long. The longest episode was two and a half hours long. Mm. Most of them veer towards one and a half hours. That's the, you know, the first like 50 that you and I did together. We're all one and a half hours long. So do the math on that. <laughs> That's... Uh, close to 300 hours of me listening to myself. Jeez. That's a weird experience. You actually start to disassociate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you start to forget that it's you that's talking. Um, yeah, weird experience. Anyways, you guys should go check that out. That's, uh, that's all that I was going to say about it. I just wanted to explain why I kept referencing, watching all of the episodes. Um, that's the, you know, it's, uh, let's, let's have a little bit of fun right now. Let's talk about... have you. The, the rise of Skywalker. 
I just hold, hold, hold on, hold on before you do that. Um, it's about to get really loud in here. Let me move to a different room. Give me two seconds. Please hold. Please hold. Oh my god! This shared meeting space, man. Should I do the like the Apple hold music, where it's like dun 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 dun. The next portion of this episode, at least from Lamb's side, will be recorded outdoors. Here outside. Mobile recording. That's why you got to get that out of the microphone. It'd be way easier than the oh, snowball. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is so annoying. You have no idea. I'm like lugging around this giant apparatus. It's horrifying. The only okay. thing that's really positive I'll say about that snowball is that kickstand or that tripod is dope. Yeah, it is pretty dope, actually. It's Although, um, I'll take a picture of what I, my apparatus looks like now and send it to you after we're done. Um, I attach these feet that that can grapple. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so <laughs> now I can like suspend it from things like the ceiling and various other parts of the universe. Okay, so Rise of Skywalker. Did you watch the trailer? Yes, I did. Okay, cool trailer. I don't think that, you know, everybody's like talking about the fucking trailer. I don't think there's a lot to talk about the trailer. The reason I put it in there, this is not going to be a long conversation, but the name, right? The name. Mm-hmm. What When you see that name, uh, spoilers? I'm going to say spoilers. If you haven't seen the last Star Wars movie, you should probably skip ahead five or ten minutes um, because spoilers. Um, and they're going to begin right now. Luke Skywalker's dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Um, so, Rise of the Skywalker. What, the Rise can, of Skywalker. So, what's, what's that mean to you? Uh, well, there, there are a couple of things I feel about the trailer. First of all, the last two movies were plot-wise and, and canon-wise just total garbage. Um, I didn't hate them as movies. They just didn't feel at all like Star Wars movies. Um, and I blame Kathleen Kennedy and uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson, I think is his name. I don't remember. Um, but they definitely had very clear intentions of not um, serving the fans and not following canon, which I don't agree, which I don't think is always necessary in order to maintain um, the integrity of a franchise. But I think in the case of Star Wars, I think the lore in the canon is so deep that you do a disservice to the story itself by not giving some respect to that moving forward. Um, that being said, um, I think the, the reason why J.J. was brought back into the fold for the production process and the directorial uh, duties on this one was because, and the writing duties actually on top of that was because he does pay homage to those things and because he does respect the franchise for what it is. And he's going to bring it back to where I personally believe it should have been going the whole time. Um, so The Rise of Skywalker as a trailer, as a, a, an idea represents to me the returning to form um, and the redefining of a narrative back to um, a canon that we all know and love, um, but done in a way that still allows it to be bigger and more modern and different than its than its predecessor. Um, I'm basing this on um, JJ's versions of all the Star Trek movies. Um, you know, he definitely paid homage to to what came before, but he definitely also made it his own. What do you think? The what do you think? Why do you think he chose to put Skywalker in it when technically? Because I don't think it's about Luke, right? And that's that's kind of I have a theory. I wanted to see if you have a theory. Um, I have a few theories, um, and and I think that we're all wrong. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure mine's right because it's very J.J. Abrams. Okay, all right. If you're if you're if you're I want to hear yours though, if you want. Um, how do I put this? Um, I think that Kylo 
I think that we're on a redemption. I think we're on a redemption tour for Kylo. Hmm. That's so. You think he's the Skywalker? I believe he is. Yeah. Okay. Here's my theory. I don't think that's what we're seeing. I think. Well, maybe. Actually, it doesn't play into my theory at all. Um, I think he's unimportant. I think this is all about Ray. I think that J.J. Abrams likes to repeat things. He liked the first movie. He repeated A New Hope. Almost identically. The plot is almost identical. The second movie, even though he didn't have as much to do with it, he still set the course of the, of the trilogy. And it kind of repeats the second movie. You know, Young Jedi has to go train with old Jedi, Jedi on isolated place. Old Jedi dies at the end. Same fucking story. So, I think we're going to see the same thing as we saw in the third movie. What did we see in the third movie? Oh my God, you're my sister? She's Skywalker. And everybody thinks that she's Luke's daughter, but I don't think she is. I think she's Han and Leia's daughter. And I think that's why she has a connection with Rilo Ken, or whatever the hell his name is. Kylo Ren. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's why they have the connection. They're twins. Oh, interesting. And they got separated just like Luke and Leia did because he loves that repetitiveness. And that's why it's Rise of the Skywalker because she's the Skywalker that's rising. Hmm. And she is the future of all Jedi. They made, but Ryan, Ryan, I mean, the, the two movies previous though made it such a point to, to point out that she was not related to... Yeah. But they didn't do anything with Leia's daughter. That's true. Hmm. Interesting. She's definitely not Luke's daughter. I mean, it would make a lot of sense for the, them to focus on the female lead in this case, since they've 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 pretty much put all their eggs in one basket when it comes to Ray um, and Ray's basically arc through this entire narrative. Well, can we point out that she dresses in white all the time, like Leia too? Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's not only that, but I mean, her her force powers. Apparently, there, there's going to be a lot more in the way of how force powers are used and understood uh, in this next movie. Um, uh, when you really take a look at, hmm, how do I put this? So basically, now we're in a completely different phase of the narrative, and Palpatine is back. Um, for anyone who hasn't watched the trailer, you hear his cackle at the very end. Um, they're back on Endor, or at least that's what I think they are, uh, because they're the remnants of the Death Stars in there. Um, so there's it's a, it's 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 all coming full circle somehow. But it's not just coming full circle with the original or with the three movies that have just passed, or the two movies that have just passed, but the the the, the entire the entire trilogy. Apparently, Anakin Skywalker is going to be in this thing too, and the way of flashback, and like there's going to be a lot of stories told about, you know, what what has transpired over the last nine movies by the time this thing comes out. Um, so that'll be really interesting to to see. Um, I also have something else to add about another Star Wars thing too that's not on the list, but I'd like to talk to you about it after we're done with this discussion. Um, should we also mention too that um, how did Return of the Jedi end? You know, like Vader turned against uh, Vader turns against the Emperor to save mm-hmm. Luke. So is oh. Kylo going to turn against whoever to save Rey? Yes, and die in the process. Yeah, that would make sense actually. Now, if he if he was a really good, if he was really good, and he really wanted to to just give the fans what they need, is he would repeat all of the patterns just to change that one last action. Sure, that he doesn't die, that he actually sure. is redeemed. Yeah, oh, but I don't think amazing. he's that good. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I think huh, interesting. like you said, all the eggs are in the Ray basket, which I'm totally cool with. I like her a lot. Yeah. She's I, one, I agree. Her the the two new characters are what keep the only reason I keep watching is her and I can never remember who's the you know, the the guy who was a stormtrooper. I can never remember his character's name. Finn. Finn. Um who's basically he's basically Han, right? Um yep. so the only thing that keeps me going back is those two characters. So the one thing they did good was making those two. Well, I actually, I, I kind of like Poe Dameron too as well. Um, he's the kind of the, the rebel pilot guy. Like oh yeah, he's not bad. Guy. Um, I, I, Eric Isaac, I don't know his name, something Isaacs. Um, but I, ultimately too, I think the, 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 a lot of the explanation of the lore um, is going to come out in this next one. And I actually hope that if JJ does a great job, that they don't call it at this movie. Like I'd really like to see this universe expanded. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting to see if this really is a rise of a Skywalker and it is Ray. It sure. would be interesting to see the rebuilding of the Jedi. So you could make a TV show out of that. Hey, speaking of which, um, have you seen the trailer for the other star Wars movie that's coming out? No. The Mandalorian. <laughs> What's that about? It's going to be about the Fets. Interesting. And guess who's directing? Mm, David Fincher. Nope. Because um, <laughs> someone completely off the wall that you would have never expected. Considering if you watch the trailer, it's got a really dark tone. It's Taika Waititi. Mm. I heard he was doing something else, too. I can't remember what that was. Oh, Dune. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, there was rumor that he was going to take over on the Dune movie. Um, I think I might be conf- confusing things. Anyways, I didn't write that down, so that's just off the top of my head. Um, do you have the list in front of you? I know you're outside. Wait a second, I, I lost you for like ten seconds there. What'd you say? Do you have the list in front of you? I know you're outside. Uh, yes, I do. Okay, pick a topic, please. Spin the wheel uh, of death. I mean, I know we've talked about CRISPR a little bit. I don't. I kind of don't want to go back to that. It's not very. Um, most of those aren't very long. You know what? Let's talk about cognitive distortion. Okay. Shoot. That's your topic. So I think um, cognitive distortion, um, I'm going to loop it back to your Star Wars thing. I didn't have the intention of doing that, but let's bring it back to that. Um, and how much we want a story like Star Wars to be what we want it to be versus what it actually is going to be. <laughs> mm. Like how much, do you, how much do you think you're projecting your own desires onto the narrative here? Um, not at all, because that's really? definitely not what I want it to be. Huh. Fascinating. <laughs> I want it to be far better and not repetitious. Sure. Sure. To tell a brand new story. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted from these three movies completely. That's why I was so disappointed with the first one. Sure. Well, I guess on t- I, 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 let's, if we're going back to the core of cognitive distortion, I guess the first half of this episode was basically talking about some form of cognitive distortion anyway. Why don't you explain to people who are listening what that is a little deeper? Because not everybody... Um, listening may know. Uh, um, I wish I had the text in front of me to be able to actually read it because I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to be eloquent enough to okay. describe it perfectly. I, I happen to be in front of a browser with, <laughs> with Merriam-Webster open on it already. Yeah, why Let's don't you see. read the actual definition instead of me trying to fumble through a, an anecdotal version of it? Because then I couldn't put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And if you don't do that at least once an episode, something is wrong in the universe. I used to end every episode. Do you remember? I used to end every episode putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'm kind of like, ready for it now, Chad. Now you got to do it mid-episode so I don't see it coming. Words of wisdom, Lamb. That's how I used to end the episodes. You'd be like, um... Uh. <laughs> And by the way, I started making a list. So now I have like 10 phrases and now you don't do it anymore. So I just have 10 phrases sitting around. (laughs) 
cognitive distortion. Noun. Psychological conflict resulting from incongruous beliefs and attitudes held simultaneously. So essentially, this is when you believe two different things, when you believe conflicting things at the same time. So I hate you and I love you. Yep. Or I'm awesome and I'm terrible. And both are true. That's an important. Um, yep. And or, that's what sorry, I was going to get. That's that's literally the point that I was going to spend five minutes getting to. So thanks for getting there right away and and removing all of my examples. <laughs> well, now you can give examples. I just did it backwards. And and it was based on. I mean, I talked about this a little bit at the top of this episode already, but a lot of it for me is about defining value um, in yourself as a person and having those two things coexist. I mean, in a weird kind of way, it ties into Star Wars too. Um, Wow, this this episode is weirdly synergistic, and I hate that word and the idea of it. Um, <laughs> you hate a lot of words, Lim. I do hate. No, I don't hate You're a lot word of words. Hater. I just I, I, I hate a few <laughs> words, but I hate them very passionately. Um, but, but the synchronicity of it is un, undeniable. Um, you can be both of those things at the same time, and you're both right and wrong about both of them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's really, it's really tough to come to terms with that. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why my conversations with people about how they see me, you know, the interviews that I have about, with people about myself have been so eye-opening um, and so useful um, because I, I, I then can believe the idea that I'm both of those things. Um, both both wonderful and terrible and both amazing and, and, and useless all at the same time. And I think that the, the framework that you have to build for yourself in order to be able to properly digest those things is such a critical part of the growing process when it comes to you know, um, what you were talking about with the article and, and you know, when a value system breaks you know when your when your belief in what your world should be is no longer is no longer true then you have to you have to be able to take that objective step back and i think it's hard to do that alone you know this is why people go to therapy it's why people have certain friends so you have to have some kind of emotional and cognitive objectivity otherwise there's absolutely no way you can you can find a path to clarity <laughs> and what's what's really important too for people listening that cognitive dissonance can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing um, sure. It can be a bad thing when you, you, like you said, when you're conflicted amongst yourself, when, you're, when you're, uh, your cognitive dissonance um, is destroying who you are because you can't resolve the two or you feel you need to resolve the two. But then it, it also, anybody, that, anybody that's out there can probably relate to this. There's at least one family member that you have cognitive dissonance with. I think they're an idiot, but I love them. Or I think they're an asshole, but I love them. Or I think they're a racist, but I love them. Those are cognitive dissonances that that we have to we we hold um, to survive in being human beings because we're all contradictions, right? And all the nuance and stuff that we talk about—that's all embedded in human beings. So sometimes we need cognitive dissonance, and for me, that's one of the difficult things. Whereas I know when I'm when I'm stuck between two things, when I'm or when I'm holding the belief of two opposing things. The hard thing is deciding whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. And I think that value judgment sometimes comes premature too. And I think the value judgment itself also actually changes in value over time. Right. Like I, oh. I think sometimes something that you're doing is both good for you and bad for you or good for you or bad for you in relation to when you're doing them. Right. Or to the extent with which you're doing them or, um, you know, like uh, running. Running's really good for you, except if you run too much. Water is really good for you unless you drink too much of it. <laughs> that, 
the middle road is always the safest road, right? That's the that's the adage, um, or not the safest road, but it is the truest road. Ah, um, oh, by the way, while 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 I'm looking at this because I have I just flipped over this window, I just want to say hello to everybody in Albania, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds weird to everybody that's not in Albania listening, but the people in Albania know what we're talking about because um, we. So I, I just I signed a, when I signed us up for this new or when I moved us back to Fireside, they have us um, connected to this thing called Chartable. And Chartable is really cool because Chartable, um, it tracks you know all the, the statistics that we get already, but then it also shows where we're, what charts we're on in, um, throughout the world in iTunes. And I think Spotify, if we ever, if Spotify ever, we get more than five people listening on Spotify, I'll be surprised. But um we're number 216 in Albania. So in the arts, not in all of it. So that's kind of cool. That's weirdly specific. Yeah. 216. That means we went up one spot from when I told you yesterday, we were 217 yesterday. Slowly, but surely Chad, one heart at a time, my friend. Hey, uh, people in Albania, can you, um, review us, you know, give us stars and stuff. Everybody else too. Why why wouldn't I just ask everybody else? Like just the people in Albania, just Albania. Please do that right now. Everybody, um, we, we had a lot of listeners in Kazakhstan too, by the way. Really? Kazakhstan? Did I say, did I say it wrong? I thought it was Kazakhstan. I, I think it's Kazakhstan. Hmm. Well, we said bold, so we're safe. Yeah, one, where, one of us is right. <laughs> or we're both <laughs> which, wrong which and then they're to, all pissed off and we lost them all. <laughs> yeah, which, which goes back to cognitive distortion again. Um, we're both right and we're both wrong at the same time. Mm, I think you're right because there's one, I'm, pronounced, I'm adding one A that's not in there. Ah, uh, gotcha. That second K doesn't have an A after it. You know, I never actually say this during episodes, but I really, really like this episode. You do say that during episodes. <laughs> I do I really? You know, you've said it like four times in the last oh, 10 episodes. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that well, just means you're having fun. <laughs> well, you know what You know what it is too? I think it's because, and, and this, this speaks to the journey I'm on too, is that I think this is probably the most sincere I've ever been in my life. And it's a weird feeling. Like I, mm. I, I don't... I don't pull punches. I don't try to fluff things. I don't try to... So I'm not a fluffer. Um, <laughs> I was going to make the I, joke I if you didn't. I knew you, I was trying to beat you to it. Um, but you know, I, I feel like this is the first real time I've been able to be this honest about myself and the world that I live in in my, ti- in my entire life. Mm. And it you know, coincides with me turning 40. So I don't think there's, that's, that's coincidental. Um, but you know, um, I, I definitely do feel like I've reached a certain point of wisdom that I haven't ever seen in my life before. And so because of that, I feel like I, I've never been more earnest than I am right at this moment. I have a question for you then. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. You son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> um, why, the way you, you asked that was amazing. <laughs> you have a tendency sometimes, and going back to older episodes, I could, I could give you examples of, this is not a big thing. You have a tendency to be a yes person. Um, <laughs> where do you think that comes from? I don't know, but you're not the first person to have that conversation with me in the last 24 hours. Um, um, my example would be, I would say, I would say, um, have you read this blah, blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. And you would say yes, but then we would talk and it'd be obvious that you didn't read it. And I was like, Oh, he just felt uncomfortable to say no. And, um, because I was putting you on the spot. Right. And I think that's a people pleaser thing. And absolutely. It, it's, I mean, you did you grow up with where you had to be a people pleaser or you just learned it on your own, you think? 
Um, I definitely think I had, I grew up that way. Um, I think it was because I was the oldest cousin in my family. So I was, I always kind of had to be the guy that had the answers. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for, for the better portion of my younger years, pro- probably through most of my teenage years, actually, um, I had to be the confident, um, just, just the, 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 the head of the pack in that sense. And so, you know, I couldn't show weakness, or at least I didn't think I could. I mean, obviously, that's a false, that's a, that's a false impression of, of what I should be um, based on something that I probably crafted for myself. Um, you know, I, I created that reality and then I lived in it. Um, and I definitely feel like I got called out on that, that earlier this week because for the first time in a friendship that I had, I, I said something really honest in a moment in which I could have pleased that person. And they, and they told me that that was the most humanizing, or not the most humanizing, but that was the most honest reaction I'd ever given them to something. And it was really refreshing and that I should probably be that more often. Right. Well, some of the, you know, going back to the value thing and the misery and all that stuff, some of that um, has got to come from that. Um, it's got to feel. It's got to feel kind of over time. It's got to be feel feel trying. You yeah, know, like, it's like, exhausting. It's you have to remember exhausting. things like um, you know, like oh, what did what did I say last time? You know, because you're, you're like trying to. Con- sometimes when we pe- please people, we're we're carrying illusions forward. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, that's right. I told them I you know like uh, I don't know somebody out there but like I told them I was um a karate black belt or something like that. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, because I wanted to relate to them because they were talking about martial arts sure. and now I'm going to see them again. Oh shit. That's right. I told them I can, I, I know karate. I don't know karate. Fuck. <laughs> sure. Sure. I sure. used to do that all the time. Not necessarily with karate, but with um, books or movies and stuff like that. And then I think at a certain point I was like, fuck it. I'll just read the books. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm very much in that phase now. Like I, I don't think I've said, I don't know more often um, I've said more, I, I don't know more often than the last week than I probably have in years, like combined. And and, and it's, it's a very liberating feeling. Not only that, but I mean, with the people I'm talking about, like the, the friends that I'm talking about, two things happen, right? There's an openness that now comes from them because they want to, they want to teach you. Everybody wants to teach everybody something else, you know, or, or everybody wants to teach everybody something, especially right. the people you care about. You want to contribute to their lives in a meaningful way. And when you're always the people pleaser, it's hard to contribute to a pleaser's life because you don't know what the hell they need. Right, because they're covering everything up. Absolutely, it's it's like uh, it's like never wanting to ask for help uh, because to, you think that that would, that's a burden, right? Well, you 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 got to my second point too, which is one of my my the other part of the conversation that I had with the same exact person, Celeste. Hi, um, is <laughs> you know um, not being able to ask for help. I'm really bad at it, and I know You're that awful I'm bad at it. it. And and this this particular situation um, with with where I am in my life, I didn't have a choice. I had to have help. I could not do this alone. And and those two those two revelations and those two um, sets sets of actions or, or 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 realizations about what I needed to do to change to become the version of myself I needed to needed to be have completely changed my entire life. And it's happened in such a short period of time. <laughs> It doesn't take much once you knock those pillars out, you know? God, they're tough though, man. I've been fighting them for 20 years. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because it's we've talked about this so many times before. When things become tied to identity, it's hard to knock them out. He talks about it in there too. Um, like when he's talking about the, the KKK guys, you know, walking, you know, like 
walking away from the KKK. The reason they said he's like, nobody realizes how difficult it is for these people to do that because, you know, they meet this black man and they have respect for him. And so they have to create this delusion in their head to separate, you know, this ideology that they believe and then how they actually feel about this man who doesn't fit into their ideology, right? Well, when they when they actually do walk away, they're not just walking away from that pillar, they're walking away from their whole identity. Because if you're someone who's in the KKK, you're probably married to someone who believes those same things. Your yeah. your brother-in-law probably believes those same things. Your father, your mother, your best friends, you know, everyone in your life, the people you talk to at work probably share some of those sympathies. So you're literally walking away from all of that. You're walking away from a full identity. Um, it's just a very powerful thing, but it's a really powerful explanation of that, of knocking those pillars out. Why do we resist it? Because we don't know what we are without them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's such... It's it's funny. Um, I didn't mention that in, in the earlier discussion we had about you know refinding myself, but that's such a big part of it. I had no idea. Accepting these things about myself left me with such a weird, vacuous space <laughs> yeah. that had that had absolutely zero, zero, just zero structure to it at all. I had no idea who I was without being a people pleaser. You know, I had I had no idea what being vulnerable and asking for help really looked like. I just I didn't know how to do that. I've never done that, or or at least in 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 the most honest way I can put it, I never fully committed to doing those things. You know, right. I've tried and I've tried in small spurts here and there to be, you know, less of a people pleaser or 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 more open to people giving me help. But one of the primary things that 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 failed that failed me in my previous relationship was not asking for help when I needed it. So I went years and years and years compartmentalizing pain and not dealing with any of it until it one day just became who I was. The pain became me. You know, who 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 I was in the relationship was tough to love, and I'm accepting who that is now. You know, like I, I, it, and those two things, by the way, work hand in hand. So if you're one, you're probably the other. Um, in the sense that if you are a people pleaser, then you're doing that because you're, you're, you're trying to not let people close and not letting people close makes it so that it's impossible for you to get vulnerable enough to even conceive of needing help, much less asking for it. Right. And the, and the other way that that comes across for the other person too, is that you don't trust them. Yeah, totally. 100%. Well, because and, we, and I and I we literally we're really good at hiding people. things and we're not, you know, <laughs> no, like we're not at all. And, we and need even how people know, <laughs> and and even if we think we're good at hiding them, um, even if the, the other people don't realize consciously that that you need the help, they definitely subconsciously do, especially if they know you well or they care about you. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult. It's a difficult yeah, situation. It's brutal, but once, man. But I want. But once I, but, that pillar but knocks I, out, though, it changes very quickly. Like oh, Chad, let me tell you. I mean, it's liberating. And it's liberating to the point of like almost almost bringing me to tears now. Well, yeah, um, you change yourself. It's it's so freeing in its in its in its openness. Um, I, I realize now how few people actually knew me. You know how many how few people who who cared about me actually understood what I wanted or what I really truly cared about. I mean, even even you to a certain. I mean, you know better than most because I I feel like you're my therapist in a weird kind of way, um, <laughs> but. You know, there are so few people, even people who, who spend copious amounts of time with me didn't know me that well. Well, that's usually the easiest people to hide things from. Of course, of course. Well, it is and it isn't. They all knew. They just didn't say anything to me yeah. until, until, I, until I asked them, you know? Like, I mean, I've, I've asked them, especially with a certain friend, like I've asked 
I've asked the questions one at a time, like days apart, just because I know that her answer will be really honest and kind of brutal. <laughs> um, but they're very necessary and they're very good answers. And and yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like I, I couldn't tell you how 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 strangely at peace I am with the choices that I'm currently making because I now finally understand what I need to do to be a better version of myself and to heal properly. It's a good step. You just got to keep at it, you know? Got to keep at it. I know. know. Where's where's that piece of paper? Number four, live the value. Mm. Because you don't get to five without living it. Yeah. That's a good good thing to keep in mind. Um, You know what I want to talk about? I want to, since we're kind of serious right now, I want to talk about this middle ground of scandal here. Um, So I've been, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but I've, peripherally been um, kind of keeping an eye, I guess. Whenever I see something pop up about it, I I click on it and look at something about this whole college entrance scandal. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and all that. Um, What I find interesting about this, and now, first of all, uh, what they did is wrong. Period. It's just not... People... You know, paying money for people who don't know, paying money, they're paying money to get their kids into schools that they didn't get into. Um, to be fair, they it's not like they're getting F students into Stanford. They were just a couple points below where they should have been, but still, they didn't make it. They didn't pass the line. Um, the reason that sucks is because the people who could have been there wouldn't get in there, right? So that sucks. Somebody who's worked hard and got the actual grades gets chipped. Um, but that's not really what I want to talk about. The reason I bring that up is I find it really interesting and um, intellectually interesting the way that currently we deal with scandal. It's like um, when whenever there's even the slightest chance of scandal, everybody throws their hands up and runs away. <laughs> and it's, it's really sad because um, I think you're seeing a lot of there's no loyalty anymore. And um, it's bothering me. It's really bothering me. And I'm not saying, I'm not making any judgments. Anybody's name that I talk about in here that's been part of a scandal, I'm not saying whether what they did was, I'm not trying to say what they did wasn't bad. And I'm also not saying that it is bad because most of the time I have no idea, right? I I wasn't part of it. All we know is we get filtered through the lens of the media. I have no idea. But um, for example, let's go... um, the, I think where one of the first times I saw it conflicted before it became what it is is the, the Louis C.K. thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman went on television on her show. She had a show at the time, and she basically it, she it was a very conflicted thing. If I can find video of it, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, where she's trying, she's basically saying that the actions um, that he was accused of doing um, that he's you know, said he's as he's basically said now that he did do those things. Um, they were disgusting to her, you know, like they were wrong. But at the same time, she cared about him as a human being. So she felt really conflicted because everybody wanted her to condemn him, you know, because the whole comedy world had already kind of condemned him, right? Um, sure. And they wanted her to condemn him too, because uh, otherwise it looked like she was supporting him, you know, saying that, um, you know, those are lies or whatever, you know, whatever you want to see as support. Um, but she was conflicted because the actions and the person are two different things. And yes, she didn't think those actions are right, but she knew him in a different way. 
and she liked him as a person. And I think that that was a very honest thing for her to do. But I don't think you can get away with that anymore. And that's really sad to me because now you have to basically, you have you have either jump in with everybody else and throw the person under the bus or be thrown under the bus with that person. Sure. There's no middle ground on scandal anymore. And, you know, I'm not... Uh, what Harvey Weinstein did is just awful, disgusting. But I do find it weird that, like... <laughs> There wasn't at least one person who was like, yeah, that sucks, but he's my friend. You know, maybe he's no. just that bad of a human being. I don't know. Um, and maybe it did happen. I, I'm just throwing that out there. But what I, I, I think about is I think about like the Roseanne situation and how quickly everybody on that cast threw her under the bus. And I'm going to be honest. I think they're all full of shit. Um, I think they're all full of shit because they threw her under the bus. They're going to say, you know, like... You know, they throw her under the bus when she says that. But then, you know, just months before or a year before, they were begging her to do this show because of how they felt about her and that they cared about her and they wanted to do a show with her again. And, you know, I don't I don't know Roseanne Barr. I'm not defending her as a person. I'm talking about humanity here. And so if you respect somebody enough, especially in the case of Sarah Gilbert, who was a producer and one of the writers of the first season or of the season of the, you know the reboot or the return of of Roseanne if you want this person you don't want it back in your life that you're going to open the door that wide and you're going to produce a show that has her name on it and then throw her under the bus that quickly like where's the respect there like what do you really think about that person you know well, do you do you think there's at a point there's something to be said for someone doing something so egregious that you don't stand behind them? Well, I would I would think that, yeah, there's there's something I don't think that that case is that case. I would think that that, you know, like if you know you chopped off somebody, chopped off 20 people's heads, yeah, that's pretty egregious and I could see somebody <laughs> not backing you. But uh, let's be honest though, um love and real respect and real affection, even something that awful, you probably still stick by them to some degree. Look at mm. like people like Jeffrey Dahmer, you think his parents abandoned him? No, no of course didn't. not. Yeah, they didn't. They're his parents. They're disgusted by this reality and what he did, and they don't support the awful things, but that's still their son. And, you know, like, I, th- I think that, like, it's just, it bothers me that we don't have integrity anymore in the sense that we think that we have to, you know, like, this action, these actions, these things are so important, which they are, but they're so important that we can throw, other, uh, throw people away. And that bothers me because I don't think, you know, if, if, if we're so concerned with respect, you know, like if we talk about the Harvey Weinstein case, what's the, what is the heart of what he did wrong is he did not respect these women and he abused them because he didn't respect them, right? He used them as objects and things to manipulate. But if, if that's the principle that we're defending is respect, then how come we aren't showing respect? You know what I mean? It's like look what I said earlier about that life, you know, like uh, I believe in the sanctity of life, but I believe in the death penalty. What? Mm, yeah, true. Like how could you, you there's, that's that cognitive dissonance there. And it just bothers me. And the reason I bring up the Lori Laughlin thing is I feel like, um, yeah, what she did, it's, it's bad. It's not a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not murder. 
it's not you know bill cosby you know it's not it's not uh, uh, systematically raping women over decades it's paying off a school and that the the fact that you know like the homework channel which is considered to be one of the best places to work for because they treat the people who work with them with so much respect and it's like a real family environment they threw her under the bus so fast it's not even funny and she was on a show on that channel and they, they like the next day they had her removed from all of the posters for that show like literally like the next day like they didn't even wait to see if it was true or not mm. and that bothers me and it's not like once again i'm not saying we need to defend what these people do because we shouldn't what they do is wrong but they're human beings and we don't have respect for human beings anymore i i i, I have a tough one with this one because I, I feel like I fundamentally agree with you. Um, oof, but I also understand, like in the Roseanne case, for example, right? How much do you, I mean, considering her history and considering how how much... It, and then try explaining to a dog, like, I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I'm mad at this little pixelated person on this screen, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was him licking the microphone. Oh, geez. I was wondering what the hell that was. I was actually going to guess that that was, that, w- that was what was happening. That sounded very licky. Licky. Sounded very licky. Yes, I think we need to make this a regular thing. I agree. Yeah, this was very, this was very cathartic in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like coming home. Oh.